So here's a pastor not being portrayed as media usually portrays them as either over the top sanctimonious jerks or predators or con men or grifters or just goody two shoes. And here it is on a show on Netflix from the Karate Kid series. I, I was just blown away. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Positively Joy, a podcast on searching for the light in all seasons of life around us. We look for God in the everyday and choose joy even in the hard times. I'm your host, Yvette Walker, and I'd love for you to become a part of our online podcast family. And join our Positively Joy community on Facebook. Visit PositivelyJoy.com for previous episodes and to check out our cool merch. And listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you go for podcasts. We drop episodes Monday and Thursday. It's finally here. We have arrived not only to season three, which I'm really excited about, but to the official beginning of my conversation series with the Reverend Dr. Leah Shade on art and faith. I am so excited. We're going to tell you a little bit more about what we've already done. But uh, Dr. Shade is as excited about pop culture and how faith is represented in the arts as I am. And we are going to talk on this subject over season three uh, and, and really take a look at lots of different episodes, shows, movies, and things like that. And today we are going to kick it off talking about Cobra Kai, which is Netflix's sequel to The Karate Kid. Here we go. Leah, hi. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. It's great to see you. It's great to see you too, Yvette. Well, listeners, hopefully you caught it, but just in case you didn't, uh, Leah and I, along with another student from Michigan, had a great conversation on films that depicted the life of Christ, and that actually dropped during Holy Week. It was a great conversation. I encourage you guys to, to go back and listen to that either again or for the first time if you haven't already. But that's where we got to know Leah, but I'm going to ask her to tell us a little bit about herself so those of you who don't know her can get to know her. But we're here today because Leah and I share a passion. We love pop culture and we love Jesus. <laughs> so, which actually is another good idea for a podcast. Actually, you know, we were talking about it in an earlier meeting today about, you know, going into really niche podcasts. And that actually would be a good one to do as well. But when we met each other, when we realized we had this passion. We said, you know what? There's so much we can talk about. So I announced this before, but I'm going to announce it again. Uh, Leah has been gracious enough to agree to come back on the show from time to time so we can talk about, in lots of different cases, pop culture representation of Jesus, of religion, of the clergy, all those things. She's so knowledgeable. I think we're going to have a great time. And today we're actually going to talk about how art depicts the clergy. We're going to get into that a little bit today. But before we do, Leah, tell us a little bit about yourself. And one thing we did not talk about last time is your faith walk. And I'd love to, to hear that. So let us know a little bit more about you. Sure. Thanks, Yvette. And thanks again for having me on your show. I know Ben Hollenbach and I had a great time talking with you for Holy Week. Uh, it was a great conversation. And I think this, this conversation about 
how religion and pop culture intersect is really important. They definitely co-inform each other. So I appreciate your dedicating time on your podcast for this because you've already done some great episodes on um, how religion is depicted in film. And so I I think we're going to have a really good time with this topic. Oh, I know we're going to have a good time. And who doesn't like pop culture? Right. (laughs) Well, a little bit about myself. I teach preaching and worship at Lexington Theological Seminary in Kentucky. And I am an ordained Lutheran pastor. And so I was born, bred, toasted, buttered, and jammed a Lutheran. I've been Lutheran all my life. I went to St. Paul's Lutheran Church in York, Pennsylvania. That's where I grew up. And um, I was always involved in the church. I went to youth group. I preached for youth Sundays, um, went on mission trips, just did everything and, and really loved being in the church life. We had a very active youth group. We had excellent pastors and youth directors and music directors. We did musicals in church. And um, so I had a very positive church experience growing up, but I never really thought about becoming a pastor. I mean, people would come up to me and say, you know, you should think about becoming a pastor someday. And I was like, no, 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 that's not the life for me. (laughs) But (laughs) seeds were planted, right? So um, I went to college at Shenandoah University and got my uh, BS in communications, but still didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew I, I loved writing. I knew I loved all different kinds of art and theater and definitely philosophy and religion. All of those things were really interesting to me, but I just, I really just didn't know what I wanted to do. So it just so happened that um, in 1994, I was working a temp job as an office manager for a snack factory in York. And if you'll remember in 1995, that was when the Oklahoma City bombings happened. You know, seeing firemen coming out with these children dead in their arms. I mean, this, it was a real theodicy moment for me. I was wrestling with how can God be good and God be all powerful and there be evil in the world. And I was really wrestling with this. So I was talking this over with my dad and he happened to have just finished a book by Walter Wangerin called From Mourning into Dancing. And uh, Walt Wangerin just happens to be a Lutheran pastor and an author. And the book is sort of his reflections as a Lutheran pastor. So my dad said, you should read this. This might be helpful for you as you're wrestling with some of these issues. So I happened to be at lunch one day at the snack factory. And I was reading this book and I was eating my tuna fish sandwich. And I felt somebody standing over my shoulder kind of looking, you know how when somebody looks over and like reading what you're reading. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I was feeling a little annoyed. And the person said, you should go into the ministry. And I was like, what? And I looked behind me and there was nobody there. What? Right. Nobody there. And I wow. heard the voice again. You should go into the ministry. And I'm looking all around like, what is going on here? And I just started crying and I quick pack up my tuna fish sandwich and I go down to the bathroom and I'm just like, and the voice is just following me. You should go into the ministry. You should go into the ministry. And I'm on the, I'm in the stall and I'm like on my knees, just like, you know, praying. I go, I don't know what, what is this? What is going on? And I'm looking at my watch and my lunch break is over. I'm like, I don't have time for an epiphany now. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, so I get up and I go out to the sink and I'm like splashing cold water on my face. And, and I notice the voice doesn't, isn't no longer saying you should go into the ministry. And it's not outside of me anymore. It's now inside of me. And it's saying I should go into the ministry. Mm, mm-hmm. So I didn't tell anybody about this at first, but I started writing about it in my journal because I've always been a journaler. And I made a column, or two columns, reasons why I should go into the ministry and reasons why I should not go into the ministry. And the reasons why I should were very long. And the mm-hmm. reasons why I should not were very short. And one of those reasons was my boyfriend, now husband at the time, I had no idea how he would react to this. So he was the first person that I told about this experience. And we were fishing at the time on the Yellow Breaches Creek near Dillsburg, Pennsylvania, where he lives or lived. And um, he didn't say anything at first. He just kept on fishing. (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh, he's going to think I'm crazy and he's going to break up with me. I just didn't know. And then eventually he said, well, I guess you should write to some seminaries and find out what it would be like to go to seminary. And I breathed this sigh of relief, like, okay. So he's not just dismissing this out of hand. Mm -hmm. And I did that. So I wrote um, and got all these different catalogs from Lutheran seminaries. One thing leads to another. I started seminary in 96. Mm -hmm. And uh, right before we started seminary or I started seminary, we got married. And the rest, as they say, is history. So I've been a pastor for, I was ordained in 2000. And so I've been a pastor for over 20 years. And my husband and I now have two teenagers. And then I eventually went on and got my PhD in uh, preaching. And now I'm teaching preaching and doing fun podcasts like this. So it's been a great journey. No, that does sound like a great journey. And first of all, I love when you said, I don't have time for an epiphany. Isn't it true that God's time is never our time? <laughs> that was one of those, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Greek word, the kairos. Like that's the word for God's time, kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S, kairos time. So this was one of those kairos time where like God's time breaks into human time and completely unscheduled, unexpected, and like this is what's going to happen. Wow, wow. And I, and I will say, I don't hear voices like that doesn't, that's not a normal thing for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, The only other time that I really experienced that kind of external voice was when I went on to do my PhD and, and had been rejected from one of the schools that I applied to. And I was trying to figure out like, why do I want to do this? What is my focus? And the voice came to me again and said, I want you to help save the planet Mm. because I was really interested in ecological issues and how they connect with preaching. So my dissertation ended up being, this is going to sound really long and pretentious, but I developed a Lutheran eco-feminist Christology for homiletical theory and praxis. (laughs) So, (laughs) And in layman's terms, that means. Yes, in layman's terms, trying to help preachers think about how to address creation care issues in their sermons. Oh, wow. Wow. So that was my first book, Creation Crisis Preaching, Ecology, mm-hmm. Theology, in the Pulpit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that you would not normally think of, you know, ecology and faith, but I am coming to find the more I've been doing this and the more I've been really just trying to say yes to God and, and just open up and, and have that richer relationship with him, that God is everywhere and yes. he's part of everything. So, for example, I just talked to someone yesterday 
who has a podcast that is about the intersection of faith and true crime. Ooh. And now wow. you're talking, I know, right? That, that's coming up. So yeah, listen for that. Yeah. And then you're talking about faith and ecology. And it just, I mean, if we really looked at it, nothing should be weird about it, to be honest. He's a part of everything. And we should recognize that, but often we don't. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, scripture is filled with um, images, stories about creation. And, you know, we are commanded to to till and to keep the garden, which is the earth itself. So yes, there is there are lots of of connections between faith and ecology. Mm-hmm. So that which we can have a conversation about that at some point in the future. But I know we want to talk about pop culture and how pastors are portrayed in pop culture, because that's what brought us together in the first place to have this conversation. Absolutely. And I think pop culture is such a big part of a lot of people's lives. Now, yes, there are people like my husband who doesn't watch a lot of TV, but mostly many of us love pop culture. And I think that if we can bring something that is a part of someone's life anyway, and insert a little bit of, of faith, a little bit of religion, a little bit of the importance of God into where they are, I think that's always a good thing. So hopefully that will happen with these series of conversations that we're going to have. Absolutely. But yes, you're right. The arts certainly represent clergy, women of God, and men of men of God in lots of different ways, sometimes uh, not so great and sometimes great. And in Cobra Kai, which is on Netflix, and it is the, I guess you could say, sequel to The Karate Kid you know, far in the future, he's grown up, we see a great example of a clergyman. Yes. And in fact, you wrote about it. Remind me where that appeared. Yes. I, I'm the eco-preacher blogger for Pathios. So the, the website is Pathios, P-A-T-H-E-O-S, Pathios.com. And my blog is called Eco-Preacher, E-C-O-P-R-E-A-C-H-E-R. And uh, so the series has been on for a couple years now. Um, and then the th- the third season started in January of this year. And in the third season, they have this episode where one of the characters in the story, and he's actually, he was in the original movie. His name was Bobby. And he is now a mainline Protestant pastor in a church. And he has an encounter with one of the other main characters in the story, whose name is Johnny, who was... Ralph Macchio's nemesis in the in the first movie. And so this the series is showing what's happening now in their lives in real time. They're grown men, they have children, they have this rivalry. How is this playing out? And and in this particular episode, Johnny has come through a very difficult reckoning with a lot of different issues in his life. And he comes into Pastor Bobby's church on a Sunday morning and Pastor Bobby's there. He's at the pulpit and he's preaching. He's starting a sermon about forgiveness. And all of a sudden you hear from the back of the church, and I will not say the expletive, but this drunken voice <laughs> calls out an expletive and the whole congregation turns around and, and there's Johnny and he's, you know, he's drunk and he's not shaved and you know, he's just staggering up the aisle and they have this sort of back and forth and the congregation's like, what, what is going on here? And eventually Pastor Bobby does a sweep kick and knocks Johnny literally on his back. 
because he's starting to get out of hand. So he has to, you know, he just takes him out. Mm-hmm. And, um, but he prays before he does this. And he says, forgive me, Father. And Johnny says, for what? And then, you know, Pastor Bobby, whew, just knocks him on his back. <laughs> I was just going to say that he knows that sweep kick was because remember, you know, Johnny and Bobby were friends when they were younger in the original movie. And right. they were also part of the same dojo. And they, you know, they learned karate. So they both know this. And that's why we have Pastor Bobby today who knows how to do a sweep kick. <laughs> exactly. Thank you for bringing up that and very important detail. Yes, that connects it all. So then in the next scene, they're sitting on the chancel steps and they're eating what is obviously coffee cake from coffee hour, which, you know, anybody who goes to church knows there's always like some kind of cake or, you know, some sweet. And, and Bobby says, Pastor Bobby says to, to Johnny, how about we make a deal? You promise yourself to do positive things, be a better person. And Johnny has been trying to actually be a better person. And everything that he's doing is just ending up mostly through no fault of his own in, in failure. And so he's at this point. It's like, I've been trying. What am I supposed to do? And so this moment between them is so important because he's saying, I've tried I put everything into my students. I've tried to teach them how to be tough, but also show mercy. And Bobby's saying, yes, you were doing the right things. And Johnny's like, well, then why are all of these things happening? Why are these happening to actually the kids that I'm trying to help be better people? And Bobby says just something so simple and so profound. He says, I know it's, it's not fair, but you don't do the right thing because it always works out, you do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Mm. And so he reminds them, you know, these kids need you and you need to be there for them, whether it works out or not. So here's a pastor not being portrayed as media usually portrays them as either over the top sanctimonious jerks or pedophiles Mm-hmm. or predators, or con men, or grifters, or just goody two-shoes. This is like actually what a pastor should and would say in that kind of circumstance. And here it is on a, on a show on Netflix from the Karate Kid series. I, I was just blown away. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I remember watching that episode. It was a great episode. Even though he did the sweep kick, you know, which some could see as violence. You could see that he did it with love in his heart. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Or or love in his feet in this case. (laughs) Right, right, right. You know, you just don't know where a good representation will turn up. You just never know. So I feel like it's it's great to be open to a lot of different things. Uh, In a previous episode, actually way back in season one, I talked about again on Netflix, a series about the comic book hero Daredevil, the fact that he is number one Catholic and very much believes in God and has the crisis of faith along the way. And I was shocked when I saw that. I thought it was very realistic. And actually the priest in that was someone that we should, maybe we should talk about. He, he knew about Matt's alter ego Daredevil. So he knew what he was having to deal with. He was a crime fighter. 
But yeah, yeah, really interesting. You, yeah, you never know. You never know where you're going to run across a great portrayal of a member of the clergy. Yeah, and not only is Pastor Bobby portrayed in a realistic and sympathetic way, I mean, the, the show's producers even got the details about the church correct. Like the pyramids on the pulpit were liturgically correct. They were green, which was would have been the season of Pentecost, which is exactly that time of year, late September that they were in. And they have these little details in that indicates that he's not just a prop. These are actual circumstances that a pastor would face. Like Bobby is saying that they would like to make a donation to help pay for one of Johnny's students who has to have a major surgery. But he's saying, you know, it wouldn't be as much as I like because we're still paying for our new roof. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that <laughs> that happens in churches all the time. I mean, it's just any pastor who has dealt with church building issues knows that th- this is exactly what happens. So, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, he's not, Pastor Bobby isn't preachy. He, he's not portrayed as some Bible-beating, gay-hating, science-denying fundy. Um, you know, there's just this moment of genuine pastoral care for his friend who's going through a very difficult time and trying to help him be a better man. So why is it so important for us to see a representation like that? Because most of what we see, frankly, in media portrayals of pastors are um, either unrealistic or they take the most salacious stories about pastors and they make that the only characteristic that is the point of whatever story that they're trying to tell. Mm -hmm. So the way I've, and I like to categorize things. And so as I've been thinking about portrayals of clergy in, in the media, I came up with basically five categories for the way clergy are portrayed. One category is uh, predator or psychotic, like really over the top, awful things that are wrong with them and that they do awful things. Mm -hmm. A second category is the con man or the grifter, somebody who's taking advantage of their position in order to make money. A third category is sort of the goody two-shoes, the one that's a little saccharine, but not very realistic. A fourth category is where the pastor is simply a stage prop. You see this a lot of times in media portrayals of weddings or funerals, so just a mm-hmm. functionary. Mm-hmm. And then the, the fifth category is realistic. I mean, maybe it is a, a comedy where, you know, the pastor's life is a little funnier than it should be, or maybe it is, you know, they're emphasizing certain things, but generally you get a sense of, yeah, like if as a pastor, and I've served as a pastor in three different congregations over my 20 years of ministry, I look at that and say, yeah, that resonates with my experience as a pastor. Mm-hmm. And your categories are great. It's not to say that these other types of people don't exist because they do. Yes. You know, and we have seen movies about them. But I think maybe the important point here is that we, it seems like anyway, we only see those other categories and we right. don't see the, the realistic category as much. We see the con man, grifter. We, we certainly see the predator, psychotic. You know, we've seen that and the other ones that you mentioned. So it's almost a a fresh breath of air to Mm. see the realistic. And after so many other, you know, categories and characterizations, I wonder sometimes if we think that seeing the realistic is not realistic. 
Mm. Like, oh, they're really not like that. No, no, they're only this way. They're only preachy. They're only, you know, saccharine. But no, they're they're people. Exactly. We don't see that enough. I wonder if there are people out there who watched, you know, Cobra Kai, saw that episode and didn't see that as a realistic portrayal. Oh, that's a really good question. Because if you're not a churchgoer, and increasingly we're seeing more and more people not ever having been raised in the church or going into the church, and I'm not passing judgment on that one way or another. I'm just saying if your frame of reference is only what you see portrayed in the media, and you're seeing these extreme stereotypes as the portrayals, then you might look at this and say, nah, no pastors are really like that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I think it's, it is important that we see more realistic and um, positive portrayals of clergy because and it's not even just in these fictional tales. Clergy have done some really, really awful things. I want to be really clear about that. There have been stories of abuse and stealing money from their churches. And you've got the whole Jim Jones thing, you know, leading an entire group to their death by massive suicide. So there are these big overblown stories about these people who are abusing their positions of power and using their supposed connection with God to get people to do really awful things or to justify their doing really awful things. Mm -hmm. So those that exists. But the vast majority of clergy are, as you said, regular people, complex, saints and sinners both. I mean, I'm Lutheran, so that was one of Luther's concepts. We're both saint and sinner at the same time. Mm -hmm. But have experienced a call to ministry in one form or another. Like what I was saying earlier, most pastors don't have that sort of, you know, tap on the shoulder kind of thing. It might be a growing awareness over a period of time. It might be people saying to them, hey, you really have some gifts here. Have you thought about going to seminary? It can happen in different ways, but they, they were really answering a call to serve the church and to try to help the world be a better place by building the realm of God in the best way that they can with the particular congregation in which they're situated. So the more we can see that to counterbalance all of these other very negative portrayals about clergy or actual stories about them, then we'll have a, a more healthy understanding of who clergy are and what they do. Mm -hmm. So in this case, it came from a secular production. Yes. Secular producer. Well, I mean, they, I don't know, they may go to church, but I mean, as far as the company, you know, mm -hmm. the secular, I'm thinking of The Chosen, which is a very popular series out right now about the life of Christ. And I think there are studios called Angel Studios or Angel Video. They are coming out with a call to make more of this kind of material. And then there's a company called Pure Flix, and they have been around and they are, they make a lot of movies that are faith-based and have to do with people struggling or a testimony or whatever. So I wonder, maybe, maybe not, we might see more realistic representations coming from religious faith-based studios and production houses. Is there a reason why though we need it in both places? What do you think? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, and, and I have to admit, I have not seen those uh, productions that you're speaking of, or I'm not, I'm not familiar with those materials. But 
generally, we also have to think about what is the genre that this particular piece of work is, and what's their audience? What's their intention? Why are they producing this? So a lot of times you'll see with faith-based films or, or television series, their goal is an evangelical one, which is to save souls for Christ and to convert people into believing in Jesus Christ and declaring him as their personal Lord and Savior. So it's a means by which to save souls. Yes. So that's one function. That's one function of this. There are other functions, however, and and you and I had talked about this just in our own conversations. There are other movies, films, other forms of pop culture that actually communicate biblical principles and values, but do it through a secular story, Mm -hmm. which we're going to be talking about in another time. But they're not overtly religious, but they actually, in a sense, preach because they're trying to get people to understand these values are important, whether it's forgiveness, um, sacrifice for the good of your peers, grace, mercy, commitment to nonviolence. When we see those portrayed in films, I think they're just as valuable and perhaps even more valuable than the Saving Souls kind of movies because one is really about what's going to happen when you die and the other one is how are we going to live right now? So so I think it's important that we have both of those in the mix and that people see this. And then I think we also need stories about, or at least in some way, incorporate religion, but do so in a realistic way, not in a way that's casting aspersions on it or using it as a, a, a comic prop, but it's more realistically portraying how does religion function in the lives of, say, the characters or within the community itself. So from a sociological perspective, how is religion serving in this particular story? Mm-hmm. And again, I think we need to see it not just being used as moving the plot forward or whatever, but really integrated into who the people are and what their choices are um, in, in the particular story. And you could make the argument that the people who are going to watch movies that come through Pure Flicks or the Chosen series or other, other series that may come through Angel Video, you might argue that they already have some knowledge of faith and maybe want to grow more or know more. Whereas maybe the secular productions are just hitting people at random who just want to see karate. So maybe the question is, (laughs) which really saves more souls? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. With Cobra Kai, obviously that's the function of that series is not to save souls. Right. It is not preachy in that sense. That's not the primary function of it. And yet, I have to say, I, I think the series does a great job of portraying morally and ethically complex storylines. People are humanized. Even the so-called villains have a backstory that helps explain how they got to where they are in life. And even the, the good guys, so Daniel, for instance, who is the hero of Karate Kid, they don't put him on a pedestal in this series. Um, he's, <laughs> I remember watching the first episode and he's this sort of gimmicky car salesman, 
and he's, you know, kind of out of touch with his wife and his kids. And he's sort of in the midst of this midlife crisis. And so, I mean, I, my hat's off to the series for breaking the, the mold on having to maintain this good guy versus bad guy trope. I think it's much better. Like I watch it with my kids and I think it's much better to see this complicated, complex interaction between these characters and how they're trying to work things out than to make it all about, okay, you've declared Jesus Christ as your savior. We all live happily ever after the end. I mean, life just isn't like that. I'd like to be able to talk with my kids to say, yeah, this is complex. There's a lot of things that are influencing your own choices in life. How is your faith? How are the things that you learn from scripture and from going to church going to have a say in the choices that you make at this particular time in your life? Mm, I so agree. I so agree. And that is why we're going to continue to do this. We're going to continue to have these conversations about these materials. We're starting off with this one, and it's a very good representation. We're going to talk about some that are not very good representations, but I think we need to keep all this in mind as we continue to have those conversations. And and I encourage the listeners to keep that in mind as well. Leah, thank you so much. This has been great. So again, tell our listeners where they can find you. Yes. So my blog is ecopreacher at patheos.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Leah Shade, L-E-A-H-S-C-H-A-D-E. And you can follow me on my Facebook authors page, Leah D. Shade. D is my middle initial. And I've got a couple books, Preaching in the Purple Zone, Creation Crisis Preaching, Rooted in Rising, Stories of Faith in a Time of Climate Crisis, and a book that I co-wrote with my colleague, called Apocalypse When, Interpreting and Preaching Apocalyptic Texts. So those are just a couple of things that people can check out to learn more about my work. Thank you. And I'd love to ask listeners, we have some ideas about what we're going to talk about, but if there are some favorite movies or TV shows that feature either some kind of a faith-based theme or maybe might represent a clergy that you would love for us to talk about, please send it in, yvette at positivelyjoy.com. Yeah, we'd love to know what you guys are interested in, uh, what has made an impact in your life, in your pop culture life, and what you love. So we'd love to hear that. Leah, thanks so much. And we will talk again soon. Thank you, Yvette. Thank you for listening to Positively Joy today. Go to positivelyjoy.com for inspiration, encouragement, and past episodes. Follow the podcast and review and subscribe wherever you go for podcasts. Don't forget to check out our cool merchandise with our new logo. And also on the website, go to the talk tab and leave us a message on what you love about Positively Joy and what you'd like to hear in the future. Again, thanks so much for being with us. Bye for now.